Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and it's National Adoption Awareness Month. Joining me today on the program is Rita Sorenen, who is the president and CEO of the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. Rita, welcome to ASRM Today. Thank you. It's great to be here. I appreciate the invitation. For our listeners who might not be familiar, could you talk a bit about what the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is? You bet. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is a national nonprofit public charity. We have a singular mission, and that is to dramatically increase the adoptions of children from North America's foster care systems. So we have two separate foundations, a Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption U.S. and a Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption Canada. The systems are similar. Um, The staff um, manages the tactics of both, but they're independent respective of the differences that are between the borders between the U.S. and Canada. And the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption was created by Dave Thomas, who people may also know is the founder of the Wendy's brand, the Wendy's company, Um, but he was adopted. And so um, when he was looking for a way to really live up to what was in the Wendy's DNA at, at that time in 1992, which was giving back to the community, really wanted to create a, something that he had a passion for, and that was acknowledging that adoption made a difference in his life and, and really zeroed in on creating the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. What are some of the programs that the foundation currently offers? Well, we look to do two things, um, Jeffrey. First is to simply increase awareness about this particular form of adoption. Of course, there are really three kinds of adoption, um, international, typically infant adoption, domestic infant adoption, and then foster care adoption. And so we focus exclusively on that foster care piece. And to do that, we have to first raise awareness in this country about the fact that today, as we are talking, there are about 122,000 children in the United States, about 30,000 children in Canada, who have had parental rights terminated, a legal decision by the courts that um, these children have been abused or neglected, they've come into the child welfare system, their cases have worked their way through the juvenile justice, the child welfare system, and, and a judge has determined that this child can never be safely placed with their family of origin. And so there's a legal determination of termination of parental rights. That immediately puts this child into essentially a a United States orphan status. They're a child without a a legal family. And so we have to raise awareness about the notion that 122,000 of those children today, as we're talking, are existing in that legal status, ages birth to 18, but typically the average age is around eight or nine, and they're simply waiting for a family. And while we raise that awareness and engage the country in that robust discussion, that while they're thinking about creating or extending a family, that foster care adoption is one way to do that, that we also have to dispel some fairly serious myths and misperceptions that surround these children, that they're too old or too damaged or too dangerous to fit into a family, that it's too expensive to adopt out of foster care, that the families can come back and claim these children. All of those are misperceptions about the system. So we do that. But we also implement um, programs that aggressively move children out of foster care and into adoptive homes. 
one of them that, that if folks look on our website, they'll see a lot of information about it. DaveThomasFoundation.org is the Wendy's Wonderful Kids program, which is the brand name um, because our Wendy's partners step in and help fundraise for us as a nonprofit organization. But the, the program behind it is an aggressive evidence-based model that um, we provide grants to organizations to hire full-time adoption professionals to work on caseloads of some of the longest waiting children in foster care, those who are most at risk of turning 18 and leaving foster care without the family we promised them. So we, we really, um, that's one of our largest signature efforts that, again, moves at an evidence-based level children from foster care into adoptive homes. We also have another interesting, I think, signature program. It's a legacy program of Dave Thomas. He started it when, again, he was still CEO of the Wendy's company, but realized there appeared to be a little bit of inequity. If employers provide benefits to families that are formed through birth, wouldn't they also then, um, in, a, in, a, in a sense of equality, provide benefits to families that are formed through adoption? And so just began this campaign, uh, sort of an organic campaign to encourage employers to provide adoption benefits, paid leave, uh, recognized unpaid leave, perhaps financial assistance for families who adopt, and all kinds of adoption. Um, and you, we've I'm taken sorry. that and created uh, uh, just a signature program around that. Is there a percentage of success that the, that the foundation has seen in, in, in that movement? There is. Um, we know from surveys, employer surveys, um, that the um, increase in employers providing benefits has grown from a very low percentage to a significantly higher percentage. I think it was from, from maybe 12% to now close to 30 to 40% um, of employers that do provide some sort of recognition through their benefits package to uh, families that adopt. I noticed a statistic on the website, too, that, that was heartbreaking uh, that last year 20,000 uh, children aged out as as you say like when they turn 18 or, is it when they turn 18 or is it after 18 that they that they do can you explain that a little more clearly but what, what is this aging out process sure and the age depends on the state but essentially a child stays in foster care either until they're reunited with their family if that's appropriate um until they're adopted, if that's the, the decision that courts make, or until they actually leave foster care um, aging out at age 18. Some states have extended that time to age 21. Um, but either one, um, these are children who have been freed for adoption, but for whom we failed finding them a family, essentially. Um, and we know that there can be negative outcomes for these children when they do age out without a family. Um, it only makes sense, right? An 18-year-old isn't ready to be on their own and think about in this current environment, in a pandemic environment, a child aging out um, without the structure of family around them or the safety net of family. And so they're at higher risk of homelessness, of being unemployed, of being undereducated, of becoming early parents in their life, of, of perhaps moving into substance abuse issues, not because they're bad kids, not because they're destined to do this, but because they can't make a mistake. They're, they're not um, surrounded by a supportive network of, of role models and support of family to help them move into that next very complex stage. Stage of, of adulthood. And so our job, and that's really where the Wendy's Wonderful Kids program steps in and works with those children most at risk of aging out of foster care. And we know that by the time a child turns nine in foster care and they've been freed for adoption, 
their likelihood of being adopted decreases significantly simply by virtue of their age, because most people enter an adoption process thinking infants. Um, and, and we understand that. We'd never try to dissuade someone from that, but also encourage if there's room in your thinking and your planning, and if it feels like it might be appropriate for your family to think about adopting an older youth. We also know that children in sibling groups or children with special needs are also at that higher risk of leaving foster care without an adoptive family. Again, understandably, people tend not to jump into a system thinking, oh, perhaps I can adopt a sibling group of three, two of whom are, are teenagers and one of whom has some special needs. And so we want to work and find families that are capable, that are willing, and that are interested in creating a family that can accommodate perhaps a diverse mix of children as opposed to simply an infant. I noticed on the website, and, and again, for our listeners, we're going to post links uh, that we're discussing today during the show in our show notes so that you can just click on them and go go straight to it. Um, I noticed that you promote sharing your adoption story. Uh, tell me a little bit, how did that come about? Why, why is it important to the organization? Again, as we think about this conversation of foster care adoption, it entails a pretty complex notion of, of families that have been separated because of something kind of, kind of um, horrendous that's happened in that family dynamic, right? Physical violence, emotional violence, um, uh, neglect, poverty, substance abuse, all of those very complex issues that drive families into the child welfare system. And, and even just thinking about interacting with a, a government system who holds custody of these children, either a county or a state, it's not something we all think about with, with um, some sense of joy, right, that I'm going to have to get myself immersed in, enmeshed into a, a government system. And so what we want to do is, um, with families' support and encouragement, we never do this without a family knowingly participating in it, is talk about there's another side to this, right? There is a positive side. There's a sense of normalizing this conversation about these children. They're just the same children with every wish or hope or dream as any other child. And if we don't normalize the conversation by showing families who have come together um, through foster care adoption, by highlighting the successes, not to gloss over some challenges. These are children who have experienced multiple layers of trauma in their lives and may have some post-adoption needs for services or supports. The families may need some financial assistance, those kinds of things. But if we normalize the conversation by showing successful stories, by engaging in programs like we have an annual um, show with CBS that's now entering its 23rd year called A Home for the Holidays. It's a primetime network show on CBS once a year that not only brings you know, state-of-the-art talent um, for entertainment to the show around the holidays, but highlights some, again, some, some stories of families who have come together through adoption. So we engage in that knowingly. We want to make sure that the families feel safe in sharing their story, that the children are aware that this story is being shared. And so we tend to use older youth in these shared stories, um, but that there is a benefit to both normalizing the conversation and making this a much more robust conversation conversation so that, again, when people are thinking about adoption as an option for their family, that they'll also think about foster care adoption. Absolutely. Uh, joining me today on the program is Rita Sorenen, who is the president and CEO of the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. We're, we're talking about adoption because it's National Adoption Awareness Month. Uh, Rita, I, I have one more question for you today. Sure. Um, 
This past March, you released a statement in support of justice. Yes. And I was wondering, could you just briefly talk about how this statement came about? Look, this has been a challenging 18 months for this country in a number of ways. The pandemic alone would have made it challenging. But when we added to that um, the racial violence, the deaths of Black men in this country through through police violence, um, one of association that we make in the child welfare system is right now today, there is an overrepresentation of Black children and children of color in the child welfare system based on the population. And much of that can be drawn back to um, you know, legacies of, of, of racial injustice, um, misperceptions, um, um, beliefs about who families are and healthy families drawn to race. And so we want to make sure that we're part of a solution to this, not a, a, a continuing to um, exacerbate an issue. We're deeply embedded in this conversation of the child welfare system of moving children to adoption. We don't ever, ever want to separate children from their community of origin, if at all possible. Children belong in their families of origin, and we have to work hard to make sure that it's not perceptions and misperceptions about healthy families that is that we're yanking children from their families of origin rather than providing support, but that once they're in the system, they deserve uh, a healthy family. And, and we also talk about, uh, you know, um, certainly LGBTQ children in this system too. There's a much higher incidence of those children um, moving into the, the foster care system of being forcibly pushed out of families or, or experiencing violence or, or really the incidence of suicide is much higher. So making sure that um, it's a public facing statement of justice that we encourage people to read, that, that we, we fervently believe in the rights of children, but that we're backing up now by some the kinds of activities that can assure um, racial equity and social justice for all of our children that, that may come into contact with the child welfare system. It is a wonderful statement. And again, I will post the link to it uh, in our show notes for our listeners so that they can click on it uh, and, and read it in full. Rita, thank you so much no. for being able to take time out today to, to be on the show and, uh, and, and talk about this very, very important topic. It's my pleasure. And, and we welcome listeners to contact us. We love our one-on-one -on -one conversations or emails or virtual conversations, whatever is most comfortable. And people can find out more about all of our programs and services at DaveThomasFoundation.org. But we simply welcome engaging in that conversation through social media or directly. That's fantastic. Uh, so thank you again so much. And to everybody else, thank you for uh, tuning in. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast through Apple, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts uh, these days. And uh, we will be back next week uh, with a new show. Until then, I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.